Good morning. Uh, we're starting a, a new sermon series today. Uh, it is called uh, Thank God. And uh, we only have one series left for the year. It's the Christmas uh, series. And uh, some of you just started freaking out on me, probably, uh, that uh, we're really rounding around uh, to that time of year. So uh, let me pray, and uh, then we'll get into today's uh, opening up this series. Uh, this sermon will kind of pave the path for us uh, for the next four weeks or so. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for this morning. Um, and uh, Lord, as we are approaching um, uh, November and the holidays and all that, we want to begin to uh, prepare our hearts and our minds uh, for Thanksgiving, to be thankful. So help us to do that. Uh, we thank you for Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. My uh, super sweet 16 uh, birthday party was a show uh, in about 2005 to 2008 or so uh, that followed the uber wealthy, uh, and it kind of followed them as they planned uh, the 16th birthday party uh, for these very, kind of very, very rich, entitled uh, children. And the reason it kind of came on my radar, it's kind of a dated show at this point, but it came on my radar because they're bringing it back. Uh, but the 2005 to 2008 show, uh, one of the things that was really well known for, one of the clips that goes around about it, uh, was this uh, girl, her name was Ava, and her dad asked her, leading up to her 16th birthday party, how she would feel about uh, driving a used Range Rover, and her response was, ew, gross. All right, and, and so that, that's kind of that, that's kind of the tone of the show. And uh, let me show you the, the online description of it. Here's what it says: uh, My super sweet sweet sixteen takes you on a wild ride behind the scenes for all the drama, surprises, and over the top fun as teens prepare for the most important coming of age celebrations. Meet the kids who are determined to go all out and mark this major turning point in their lives and the parents who lavish every wish and find out firsthand what it's really like to turn 16 these days. My super sweet 16 will document one character's outrageous journey as they plot, plan, and prep for the party to end all parties. These kids expect and will only accept the absolute best. Now it's up to them to make sure jealous siblings, stressed out parents, and school rivalries don't get in the way. Sounds fun, doesn't it? Uh, a, a person that uh, studied uh, the, the show back in the 2005 to 2008 found that there were a, a few things that really kind of appeared in every episode of the show. Um, one was birthday tantrums. Uh, at some point in the show, the birthday boy or the birthday girl would just have an all-out screaming, stomping, complaining fit, uh, telling their parents that they just want the birthday that they feel they deserve. Uh, another kind of characteristic of every show was uh, constant belligerence, was the way it's described, um, against their parents and demanding more money. Uh, another uh, aspect of the show was excessively decadent outfits, Another one was the party planner who's tasked with organizing these unachievable goals, um, overrunning of the party budget, and then there's the obligatory party fight when someone that wasn't invited shows up, right? There's large, expensive cars as gift, and then there was always a musical celebrity guest performing for the wedding, or performing for the party, all right? Now, with that kind of groundwork being laid, open your Bibles to Psalm 103, all right? Segway, all right? The show sounds terrible. 
All right, let's, let's just be, you know, the, these kind of opulent big time celebrations. And, and uh, I, blame, I blame the parents uh, above all else. But honestly, I think the parents in this show, if we can kind of move away from the show a little bit, they are wrestling with a legitimately hard question. And the legitimately hard question they're trying to wrestle with is what do you get for the person who has? You guys are so smart today. Yeah, what do you get for the person that has everything? When your child has grown up in kind of this opulent atmosphere, what do you get for the person who has everything? And everybody at some point struggles with this question. And most of the time that us common folk (laughs) uh, struggle with this question is with our parents. Right? There comes a time when your parents get to a certain age, if they want something, they buy it. If they need something, they go out and get it. And really, there comes a point in your parents' kind of life where, where you find yourself thinking that question, what do you get for the person who has the resources and has the time and the energy to kind of get what they need? And Christmas is right around the corner, and this is a question some of you are gonna struggle with, is what do you get for the person who has everything? Now, I wanna show you, uh, before we get to Psalm 103, Psalm 24.1, here's what it says about God. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So have you ever wondered, as a follower of Jesus, what can you give God? Right? He has everything. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. What can you get for him? What can you do for him? What, 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 does he, what, what can we do? What, what, what can we get for him? And there's this kind of narrative that goes through the Old Testament. I'm going to put it up on the screen for you. It says, here's what you can do. You can bless the Lord. All right? We just sang a song about it. You can bless the Lord, all right? End of the sermon, all right? No, no, all right? You can bless the Lord. That this is what we can do for God. We can bless him. And the question is, what does that mean? And Psalm 103 is gonna show us a little bit about this. Let's look at verse 20. It says, bless the Lord, all you angels, mighty in strength who perform his word, obeying the, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you hosts, you who serve him doing his will, Bless the Lord, all you works of his, in all the places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. So he, he commands all of these entities to bless God. Uh, the angels, uh, the, those uh, that, that serve him, they're, they're referred to as the hosts in the psalm, but it really just means anybody who serves God should be a blessing to him. And then it just finally says, and all of his works. Right, so anything created, made by God, which, which is everything, uh, is called to be a blessing to God. And the question still is, what exactly does this mean? Well, let me show you a definition of uh, the Hebrew up on the screen. I'm gonna try to solve this once and for all. Is this bugging anybody else or is that just a Steve thing? All right, done. All right, here's the definition. To bend the knee, to bless, and to praise. It is the only thing you can do for a God who has everything. The earth belongs to him. The only thing we can really do uh, to be a blessing to God is to recognize who he is, to recognize what he has done, and praise him, bend a knee in respect, thank him. This is what it means to bless the Lord. It is to recognize what he's done. It is to recognize who he is, and it is to praise him for it, it is to bless him for it. It's just, it is to say thank you for it. It is recognition and thankfulness. That, that's what we can do. And now I want to kind of have a quick aside here because I, I think it's an important uh, thing for us to establish uh, right off in this series is that God, God doesn't need us to do this. All right? 
Any sort of theological statement that, that you have that starts with God needs no, no. God is self-sufficient. You sometimes hear this around the creation story. When I was growing up, I remember a teacher teaching me this, that one of the things that happened in the beginning, they said, was that God was just so bored. And he was just so lonely that he needed human beings. Eh, no. Now, wrong answer. All right, any kind of theological statement that starts with God needs, we have to back it up a little bit. So God doesn't need this. He, he doesn't need blessing, but this is a way we can be a blessing. It is to recognize who he is and what he's done, and then to thank him, to praise him, to honor him. This is how we bless God. And, and the rest of Psalm 103 kind of backs up this idea, all right? The, the rest of Psalm 103 is kind of a declaration of who God is and what he's done and ways that we can recognize that and ways that we can praise him for that and ways that we can be grateful for that. Let me show you verse eight. This was in the song we just sang. Uh, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. That one of the things that happens is you recognize that God is an almighty God and he is a powerful God. One of the very next thoughts you should have is, I hope he's not quick to anger. Right? If he's all powerful, if he's all uh, mighty, then, then I hope he's not quick to anger because if he is, I'm toast. I'm in trouble. Um, we talked a few weeks ago about the idea of compassion. And compassion is being moved by someone else's problem. And it's making someone else's problem your responsibility. And it's this amazing thing that God does all throughout the scriptures. Is that when the very first sin was ever committed for the, for the man and the woman way back in the book of Genesis. That, that they sinned and they had to leave the garden. God could have absolutely, as an almighty and powerful God, he could have been done with mankind. He could have. He would have well been, been within uh, his ability to do that. Instead, he begins all throughout the Bible to provide these ways for us to be forgiven, these ways for us to be set free. He didn't have to do that. He did. And the reason he does it, this text tells us, is he's gracious and compassionate. Now, there's this story, I don't know if you've turned on CNN any time in the last three weeks, but there's a story kind of going through our culture right now about Harvey Weinstein, the, the, the Hollywood producer and how he used his position of power to hurt and abuse and uh, coerce a lot of different women. And listen, we have gotten to a point where we are just used to this in our culture. It is the powerful beating up and abusing those underneath them. We're, we're used to this in our culture. When the Bible says that God is gracious, when the Bible uses that term, this is a very nuanced form of this word, and it, what it describes is the powerful showing kindness to the weak. Right? It's the powerful showing kindness to the weak. And this is our God. He has all power and he cho chooses to show kindness to those that are weak. This is Paul's point in Philippians 2. Let me put this on the screen for you. In your relationships with one another, another, one another have the same mindset as that of Christ Jesus who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. 
Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So we're gonna be talking about this more as this sermon unfolds, but this is something we can recognize about God, that he has been incredibly gracious to us. He could have used his power to destroy us. Instead, he uses his power to save us. And listen, you can't earn that, you don't deserve it, and you can't pay it back. You know the only thing you can do when you realize this about God? The only thing you can do is recognize it. The only thing you can do is recognize it and thank him for it and praise him for it and, and, and uh, lift up his name. And we're gonna talk more about grace next week, but let me show you another thing in the psalm. It says, put it up on the screen, he redeems your life from the pit. This is another thing God does. He redeems your life from the pit. This kind of echoes back to a couple different Old Testament stories, but one of them is the story of Joseph. Uh, in the story of Joseph, uh, his brothers were really, really envious of him and kind of hated him because he was his father's favorite. And there comes a time in the story where the father kind of buys Joseph this very, very expensive jacket and the brothers are just seething about it. It's been building for a while, but they're just seething about it. They're so angry about it. And Joseph is walking from way far off. They see him walking, probably wearing that bright jacket, right? They could see him a mile away. Um, and, and he's walking toward them and they're like, we're done. Let's just kill him. Let's just be done with it. It'd be better if he were just gone. And they start to plot this thing out that they're gonna kill their brother. And by the time Joseph gets there, uh, they change their mind. And instead they grab him and they throw him into an empty cistern. They throw him into a pit. And he's in this pit and he's surely thinking, what's gonna happen to me? And he's surely thinking, what are they gonna do to me? Am I gonna live? Has God forgotten me? And they eventually decide to sell him into slavery. And as the story goes and the story unfolds, he, Joseph ends up being really blessed by God. He ends up being one of the highest officials in the land of Egypt. He ends up in Egypt, he ends up one of the highest officials there, and he lives this very, very blessed life. Why? God rescued him from the pit. God rescued him from the pit. This is what our God does. This is part of what he does. I, I think about my, my own story, and I've told you this uh, story um, multiple times before because it was so formative to me, but when I was 17 years old, uh, my mother passed away from a brain aneurysm about a week before Christmas, and man, alive, life just kind of fell apart. And, and when I was uh, going from 17 to 18, I was so angry, I was so mad, and I was struggling with, so, with, with passion. I just didn't have any. I was depressed and angry and all that stuff. I felt like I was in a pit. And I sometimes wonder what would have happened to me if I had just given into that anger. But if I can look back and, and think about my life for just a minute, you know what I see? God rescued me from that pit. And he did it in several ways. God brought some people into my life who showed me great grace. There was another local church in our community. Um, I, I don't know how they heard about my situation, but somebody in that church, uh, when I was just 17 years old, offered to scholarship me to a youth convention. And they scholarshiped me, and I, I got to go just after my mom passed away and was really encouraged at that conference. Um, God led me to a Christian college. Uh, that developed me and loved me and helped me and understood that my freshman year um, was going to be rough because I was so angry and I was struggling and my GPA never recovered. You, you will not find me on the walls of Great Lakes Christian College as like the highest GPA guy, right? <laughs> So you're just not gonna see that. Uh, so my GPA never recovered from that freshman year. 
Um, God sent, sent me to multiple great churches, including this one. That, that I've just been, uh, it's been a joy to be a part of it. God rescued me from the pit. And some of you, probably all of you, feel the same way. That you look back on some era of your life and you're like, man, the decisions I was making, the values I had, the character I had, the, the anger I had, man, it, it was a pit. And God had other plans. And he rescued you from that. And today, you can't pay that back. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. You can't pay it back. You know what you can do? Recognize it. That's all you can do. You can recognize it. And thank him. Thank him uh, for for what he's done and and how uh, he's been so good to you. Here's the next thing. And we're not going to do this all day, although from Psalm 103 we could. I decided to let you out in time. All right? So here's the next one. He satisfies you with good things. He satisfies you with good things. Think for a moment, all right, just as we're approaching Thanksgiving here, think for a moment about the incredible gifts that God has brought into your life, all right? You maybe had a rough year, all right? I want you to set that aside just for a minute. And I want you to think about the good gifts God has brought into your life, your spouse, your children, your job, maybe your health, whatever it is. What are the things that you can point to and say, man, God has been good to me in these ways. And we talk about social media all the time uh, here, and we talk about it for a reason. This is one of the challenges of social media. Let me kind of give this as an example. Um, A Facebook friend of mine just went to Greece and Turkey, and he's been doing this vacation where he is following in the footsteps of Paul, all right? This is a dream trip for me, all right? This is a bucket list trip for me. And he has been posting pictures every day, for two weeks, and I'm jealous, and I'd like to think I'm above it, I'm not. Right? I'm jealous of him, I'm jealous of, of, his, of his trip, and I think social media can do that to us, is you're looking at all the pictures and all the posting, and you're like, why do they have the perfect marriage and mine struggles? Why do they have the perfect family and mine struggles? Why do they have the perfect life and mine struggles? My, my, I struggle in my life, newsflash, they don't. They're posting a picture of a smiling child who 10 minutes before was screaming his brains out. And then for two brief seconds, he smiled and they shot a picture and put it on Facebook. So first of all, they don't have the perfect life, but here's, I stole this from another minister. I think this is really powerful. Here's what he said. He said, on social media, we see their highlight reel because that's all they post. We see their highlight reel. Um, we know for a fact our blooper reel. And, and so we start to compare those two things. It's like I see, uh, you know, all I ever see about them is their highlight reel, but I know my bloopers. I, I know that I got mad this week, or I was short this week, or I, I was angry this week. I know my blooper reel, uh, blooper reel and, and those things are not fair to compare. They're, they're just not. Because guess what? They have a blooper reel too. They're just not posting about it because Facebook would be less fun if everybody did that, all right? Um, And so they just don't do that. But today, we wanna recognize this overwhelming sense of blessing that God has brought to us. Um, See, when you think about how good God's been to you, you can't pay that back. Um, You you didn't deserve it, you you can't earn it. You know what you can do? You can recognize it. 
You can recognize it, and you can praise his name. You can thank him for it. This is a blessing to God. This is what it means to bless him. God is blessed when his children recognize who he is and what he's done, and they simply say thank you, or they praise him, or they bless him in that way. So I've done some work in this message so far. I want you to think about it like a campfire, just, just for a minute. Is We're kind of putting one log uh, into the campfire at, at a time. So God satisfies us with good things. That's one log. All right. Um, God redeems us from the pit. That, that's another log. God is gracious and compassionate. That's another log. And we kind of built this campfire. I want to begin to think as, as we move toward the conclusion of this sermon and, and, and launch this sermon series, I want to talk for a minute about the center of the campfire. Because if you know anything about a, about a campfire, you got all your logs prepared. Uh, but in the center of the campfire, you have to have some kindling. You have to have some newspaper. If you're really bad at starting campfires, you're going to need some gasoline, right? Um, you know who you are, right? Um, you're the people here without eyebrows is who you are. So, right, so, so you, you need some of that stuff to, to get it going. And I want to talk just for a minute about the inside of the campfire. I want to talk about our hearts. Because who God is and what he's done, it rarely changes. Our God is a good God beginning to the end. He is a good God. But if, our, if the inside of us is not right, if our hearts are not right, um, then our, the, the, the thanksgiving and praise is never really going to catch, catch fire, even though God is worthy of it and the logs are there. We need our insights to be right. So I want to begin to talk about our heart a little bit. And I, what I want to do is I want to point us to the New Testament version of this word. All right? it, when you read the New Testament, you'll think the idea of blessing God just disappeared because very rarely do they ever translate it as bless God. But the idea is there in multiple words. I want to show you one of them. It's the word, uh, the, the Greek word, uh, eucharisteo. Eucharisteo. All right? And I want to show you one example of it. All right? Here it is. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might that you might have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father. There it is. Joyful thanks. This is blessing God, giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you. I love this passage. He has qualified. I thought I was disqualified because of what I did and because of the mistakes that I made and because of the path that I, I took. No, in Christ Jesus, he has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of the light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son that he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So, this is one example. But Eucharisteo, it is almost always tied to the good news of Jesus, that we made this decision, we made that decision, and God in his great grace, God in his great mercy, he has forgiven us, he has set us free from that, and he has welcomed us into the inheritance of his son. And so this Eucharisteo, it carries with it this idea, it's kind of a nuanced word, but it carries with it the idea of responding to God from an undeserving place, right? It is responding to God from an undeserving 
place, all right? So that, that I have made this decision, I've made that decision, I've sinned, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and I, the, the Bible says the wages of sin is death, that is what I deserve. One of, my favorite pas- one of my favorite phrases in the Bible is, but God, but God. I did this, I did that, I sinned, I did the crime. Bible says I am deserving of spiritual death, but God, but God, but God in his great mercy, but God in his love, but God in his grace chose to send his son Jesus to die for me so that I could be forgiven of all of my sins. And when I think about the good gifts, it starts with the gospel and kind of goes out from there. When I think about the good gifts that God gives me, his son Jesus, family, marriage, all that stuff, the way that he loves me, I need to approach that from an undeserving place. I don't, you know, I've been saying it all message. I don't deserve it. I didn't earn it. I can't pay it back. I need to approach it from an undeserving place. And when I understand that I am undeserving and that, but God, but God, I'm undeserving, but God, he, he did it anyway, my appreciation and praise and thankfulness catches fire. This is one of those ideas that sets these logs on fire. It is coming to God with an, a, a sense of um, thankfulness from an undeserving place. Let me say it another way, all right? That's kind of the, the uh, theological explanation. Let me say it this way. Entitlement is the killer of thanksgiving. Entitlement is the killer of thanksgiving. That when you approach God with, with a sense of, I am owed this, I deserve this, I have this coming, it kills thanksgiving. And let me give you the number one example of this. I don't even need to say anything else. Your children. Your grandchildren. Right? When, when, you, know, you know it, that when your children and your grandchildren, when they have developed this sense of entitlement, that you owe them or they deserve this or they have this come in because of some mistakes that you made that maybe they brought up once or twice or a hundred times, whatever, um, some mistakes that you made, or just because they're your children or your grandchildren, when, 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 when they, they develop that attitude, when you are kind and you are gracious to them, isn't it true that that sense of entitlement kills their sense of thanksgiving? This really bugs some of you, that they didn't even say, it bugs you, right? They didn't even say, and entitlement absolutely kills Thanksgiving, and we understand why, because we have children and grandchildren, right? and, and when we see that sense of entitlement, you know this kills Thanksgiving. Our relationship with God is the same way. This is why it is so important that probably once a month or maybe twice a month, I will just remind us that we are all sinners, and I don't do that to be mean. I don't do that to be a downer, right? I don't do that to spoil all our fun. I do it because it is important that we approach God from this undeserving place, not from an entitled place, not from a you owe me place, not I've been good so you should shower me with all this stuff place, but just from an undeserving place. And God, I'm so grateful for the blessings you brought to my life. I'm so grateful for your son, Jesus. I am just grateful. So that's kind of the, the, the main thing. And then there's a couple more. Um, this type of thanksgiving and praise, it should come from the soul. Right? It should come from the soul. So we want to approach it from an undeserving place, and then it comes from the soul. This echoes back to Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul. 
that we want this sense of thanksgiving and praise and, and a desire to bless God to come from the inside. We want to have a genuine and real sense of thanksgiving. So there's this thing that is about to start if you're on social media, uh, the 30 days of thanksgiving. I love this. I, I love scrolling the page and, and seeing um, that a lot of people that are on Facebook through the whole month of November, they will just day after day after day express things that they are grateful and thankful about. But with any trend on social media, there is a warning, right? That, that anytime you're doing something on social media, this can, become a thing, this can become a thing that you do to impress others. Look at how spiritual I am. Look at how thankful I am. It can become a thing uh, that we do to one-up one another. Oh, you think you're thankful. Mm-hmm. Wait until you see how thankful I am, right? And, you know, and, you, know you, you sometimes have this response, too, when, when you're in a, a prayer circle and everybody's praying, and all of a sudden the person next to you, they just knock it out of the park with the prayer. And you're like, what am I going to do? I'm not that good of a prayer, right? They're, they're just so good at it. That, that, that Facebook can become that sort of thing. And if, that, if it becomes that for you, we want this to be genuine and to come from our soul. The discipline of Thanksgiving is a good thing, but we want this to be genuine. Here's what I would suggest to you. Stop posting for a while. If you find, if you find yourself with this kind of one-upmanship or you know, I need to express to everybody how spiritual I am, just stop posting uh, for, for, things, for, for November for a while and let this be a private thing with your family and with God that maybe when you get around the dinner table, it's like, what are you thankful for? What are you thankful for? What are you thankful for? And just get it out of the spotlight if you need to. If, if, if everything's cool, then let it be cool. But this leads us to the last thing. This praise is ultimately about his glory. So it's possible to be thankful, but not be thankful to God. And that is an important, that's why the name of the series is Thank God. It is to not recognize what he has done and to not recognize what it's all about. And, and we've said a hundred times here, life will not make sense for us until we understand that life is all about the glory of God. It's all about him. And when, when thankfulness becomes about something else uh, other than the glory of God, you know what it becomes? Idolatry. Idolatry. So money. Be thankful if you have some money. If you can pay your bills and that sort of thing and that God has blessed you in that way, it is an incredible tool to be used for God's glory. But when that becomes about something else or we take God out of our sense of thanksgiving for that and it becomes about my happiness and leisure and life, that little G thing becomes really destructive. Be thankful to God for the blessings that he brings. Family is another thing. Be thankful for your family, right? I know that some of you are thinking forward to Thanksgiving dinner and you're like, I, you know, that's really hard, but just go with it, all right? Be thankful to, for, to God for your family. It's a good thing to be thankful to God for, for, for family, but when that becomes about something else, when it be, no longer becomes about giving glory to God, listen, your children are awesome. They make terrible gods. They do. Your spouse is awesome. They make a terrible God. Uh, your grandchildren are awesome. They make a terrible God. Um, vacation and leisure, leisure are gifts from God. They are to be enjoyed for his glory. Be thankful to God for leisure. Be thankful to God for vacation. When it becomes something else and our source of strength and our source of joy, it becomes destructive. So as we process all the things that this November that we have to be thankful for, I just want to remind us, be thankful to God. Because God is the source of all blessing. 
Uh, everything uh, that, that we enjoy is, is created by him, everything we enjoy in him. So be thankful to him that we're not just thankful, we're thankful to God. And let me close with this. If you're struggling um, with a little bit of thanks, thankfulness this year, and you're like, man, I'm just not feeling it, I'm not, I'm not there yet, um, I want to give you an antidote. It is, let's spend the next month just focusing on God and what he has done. Let's focus on what he has done. Make a sunset that you see about him because it's about him. Make your family that you enjoy about him because it's about him. Make your life um, about him because it is about him. One of my favorite verses, we actually put this on a wall in our house, is finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. When you see something noble, when you see something right, when you see something lovely, make it a God event, make it a praiseworthy event, make it about him, because here's the truth. We can't earn what he's done. We don't deserve what he's done. We can't pay it back. The only thing we can do, and I want to encourage us to do this especially over the next month, but obviously moving forward from there as well. The only thing we can do is open our eyes and recognize it. Recognize what he's done and respond with praise. Respond with a thank you. Respond by giving him glory. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, uh, we want to thank you uh, for this time of year. Um, We want to make it about you, Lord. And we want to respond Um, to you with a sense of gratitude. We want to recognize what you've done. We know we can't pay you back. We know we didn't deserve it. Um, But we do want to recognize it, how good you've been to us through Jesus, through all the other kind of stuff. You've been so good to us. Help us to recognize it and to come to you with a sense of thanksgiving. We thank you again for Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. We stand as we sing a song of invitation. Um, We're going to have a few prayer counselors up here. Um, We'd love to pray with you and um, just kind of direct some of our thanksgiving to God um, and and pray over some struggles that you're having as well. If you're you're struggling, like, man, I'm just not feeling the thanksgiving thing. I've got this thing looming over me. We want to pray about that as well uh, as we sing this song. Um, If you're interested in learning more about Jesus, we'd love to receive you and discuss that as well as we sing.